0: Welcome to Southern Sisters Radio, the show for Southern women and the men who adore them. Join us as we celebrate life from a Southern point of view. Here's your host, author, founder of Southern Sisters Home, Jenny McCormick Earhart. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Southern Sisters Radio program. We are happy that you're here joining us on this show. We have a lot of fun, Nick and I, yes. don't we, Nick? Yes, we do. My esteemed producer, Nick Bean, <laughs> uh, just v- very talented man, a purveyor of all wonderful sorts of trivia, including the fact that today <laughs> is John Lithgow's 72nd birthday. Yes, it is. Yes, we were talking about that before the show started. Uh, John Lithgow sings one of our favorite songs that we use here regularly mm-hmm. on the Southern Sisters radio show as our food segment intro. <laughs> he sings, sings a song called Everybody Eats When They Come to My House.
1: Love it. I love that song. Right?
0: And I got to tell you, I knew years ago, even before we had the show, I said, you know, what? one day when I've got my radio show, that is going to be the song I use for my food <laughs> segments. Because it's so perfect.
1: And now it is reality. It
0: is. It is. <laughs> Welcome, guys. Happy Saturday or Sunday, depending on when you're listening yes. to our show. Um, It's autumn in the south. Autumn in the south. It
1: actually kind of feels like it now.
0: You know what? It, it did. It kind of dipped. The temperature's dipped down. It's been a little cool today. Did you hear that it's going to be close to 80 tomorrow? Yeah.
1: It's going right back to summer weather. It's just
0: such a weather tease. I know. You know what I'm saying? And I
1: actually got a notification from the weather channel on my phone today saying that the South should expect a dry and warm summer.
0: That's not right. I know. (laughs) I want a cool and white Christmas. Right. That's what I want. It's not going to happen anytime soon. Well, I did hear that because of warmer temperatures out in the Pacific that we might have an icier winter. Yes. More potential for some ice storms. Right. Which, as everyone knows, we handle that so well. (laughs)
1: Ice mageddon right? right? Ice
0: mageddon Oh, I still have memories of Thanks. being in my car for ten hours oh. with two teenage boys. That was awful. Oh, yeah. My son and his friend stuck in my back seat for ten. I finally just said, "Get out!
1: <laughs> just get, I don't, just, I just don't get out of the car. You, you can walk home."
0: <laughs> oh, guys, one thing I love about the autumn, and I don't know if you do, but I'm, I'm a, I, I don't know. I kind of have this thing for scary movies. A, as we approach Halloween. I start preparing myself mentally, you know? There's something about being scared. Some people don't like it. Most of my girlfriends do not like it. I've got one girlfriend who loves scary movies. She and I went to see The uh, The Shining at the Fox Theater last year. Oh, wow. It was fabulous. My dear friend Jeanette. Yeah, but otherwise, most of my friends do not like my BFF Pam. She won't even consider watching a scary movie with me. I'm in,
1: this, I'm in the me. boat with Pam I there. know, right? i not a scary what movie What is person. that?
0: I don't know why I like it. I don't know. <laughs> but I've been kind of on a thing lately for the classic scary movies. The originals. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Psycho, for example, is a great one. Um, My daughter and I watched the original Friday the 13th last weekend. The first (laughs) one. Very creepy. But I have to tell you, I think that that scary movies have come a long, long way in the past 20 years because Friday the 13th, the original, seemed a little, how should we say, dated. Just
1: a little bit. It,
0: it seemed a little right? dated. You know what I'm saying? The special effect. It was so scary when I saw it the first time as a teenager mm-hmm. in the movie theater. But now it was kind of like, you know, the camera would zoom in and out like as a special effect to make it look yes. scarier. And I'm like, no, that's just
1: wrong. Uh, I'm just getting queasy. <laughs> no,
0: it's just not. Or the or the kind of overly dramatic screams. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> not quite right. Jaws is still a good all-time classic. Of
1: course. Right?
0: That's a good scary movie. The original Halloween, which mm. is my tradition to watch that on Halloween, <laughs> in the evening, because we don't get any trick-or-treaters at my house. Oh, really? No, we have six houses in the neighborhood, uh, and so it's okay. just not worth anybody's time. You know, we do have a few kids in the neighborhood, but they want to go to the bigger neighborhoods. Of course. Where they they really... want to
1: go to the jackpot. They want to come back with a bag full of candy.
0: They want to rack up on the candy. <laughs> you know? I, I'll even buy the full-size candy bars. You know, I really need to put a sign out in the yard. Yeah. Have full-size candy bars. Maybe I'll get a few. Yeah,
1: put one on, like, the, the main street corner. Going into the neighborhood, I you'd know. have everybody coming by. Yeah,
0: it's kind of sad. No no little trick-or-treaters at my house. Well, you know what? Um, there's been a story in the news this week. I thought it was very interesting. Um, about the, the the New York Post actually did an article on helicopter parents. Now, this is not something that's exclusive to any part of the country. Nope. No, we have helicopter parts, uh, parents in all sections of the country, including here in the South. But listen to this, guys. For the snowflake generation, the coddling, I'm sad to say, does not end at high school. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. Helicopter parents not only continue to hover once their children go to college, but some are now continuing to intervene on their behalf all the way through, brace yourself, graduate school. What? And the consequences for the coddled in society are proving to be disastrous. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This is true. The New York Post reports that college professors and even presidents have received phone calls from concerned parents requesting special treatment and more, with some going even so far as to impersonate their young adult children. I'm not kidding, That's crazy. folks. Isn't it sad? Um, one administrator at a Northeast liberal arts college complained, quote, over the last two or three years, it has become unbearable. I've had parents calling up and impersonating their children, asking questions that could have easily been asked by their kids. One lady didn't even bother to disguise her Long Island soccer mom voice, right? Can you can you <laughs> Can you imagine that? It's it's amazing. I I find that so troubling. I'm
1: not surprised. In so many ways. I am not I am not surprised.
0: Right. You know what? I think what uh, the average parent these days, that, that is, or the average helicopter parent, uh, would do well to have a nice big pair of sharp scissors to cut those apron swing, strings.
1: Absolutely. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. I don't
0: know what's happened to society, but we no longer are expecting our children to grow up and act like adults. Mm-hmm.
1: You know and, what and, I'm saying? And, and, and we're seeing big repercussions from that in everyday life.
0: It, isn't that, you know? You
1: can't handle the... the, the you know, we all, I think, grew up learning this. Those right. that didn't have helicopter parents is, guess what? When you get into the real world, nobody cares.
0: Nobody cares. Right? And it's problematic. <laughs> you think you're helping the kids. You're not. Yeah. Few studies have actually examined the effects of overparenting, as it's relative. You know, it's kind of a recent thing. You yes. know what I'm saying? It's gotten worse in the past 10 years or so. But the term helicopter parenting was coined only in 1990 Early research, however, does not portend well for helicoptered children. These studies suggest that anxiety-driven parenting tactics not only suppress children's maturity and autonomy, but also constitute parental conditional regard in which affection is withdrawn when children do not succeed the tactic then instills in children an aversion to criticism that impedes personal growth and poisons relationships with others have you seen some of the youtube videos of college on college campuses of of te- um i guess young adults having absolute screaming meltdowns on yes. campus yep do you see what i'm saying yes. and that really has nothing to do in my in my opinion it has nothing to do with what their philosophy is or whatever they might be protesting or whatever they're upset about that's kind of irrelevant It's it's the way that they act out. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? A complete um, disregard, a refusal of acceptance of any opposing position. Correct. And uh, and the result is a lot of temper tantrums on campus.
1: As adults, as adults, forget. It's sad. They're in college, but they're adults.
0: Right? It truly it is. Well, I got to tell you, folks. You know, one other thing that some college kids grapple with a little bit when they head off to college is having to get themselves up out of bed and take care of business. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I always wonder when my kids would come home from from little, you know, college breaks, and they'd sleep till noon because I, you know, I'm sure they needed it. I always was, I would think to myself, how do you get yourself up when you're at college? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, they would, but a lot of times when they were home, they just kind of knew that was their time to relax, so they could they could sleep exactly. late, it's... right? But laziness is an issue that a lot of us deal with. And guess what, folks? We're going to come back in just a minute, and we are going to give you some, uh, well, actually, kind of a miracle technique for dealing with na- laziness. In your life, maybe in your children's lives, it's not as hard as you think. Hang on, we're gonna be right back. Welcome back to the Southern Sisters Radio Show. Oh, yes. I'm going to tell you guys about the magic of K-Zen.
1: K-Zen.
0: K-A-I-Z-E-N. Hmm. Okay. Where does this
1: originate from? That doesn't sound very... It's an Asian word. Okay.
0: It's an Asian word, and it can be quite beneficial, If you you may know this, to look to other cultures for remedies to common problems that we can't take care of on our own. Well, here at the Southern Sisters radio program, we're always looking for ways to improve ourselves, (laughs) right? We're not lecturing you. We're just giving you new ways of approaching your challenges in life. Well, endemic laziness is certainly one of those problems for a lot of people. This is me included. Okay, I speak for myself. I get all pumped up, right, to get something taken care of when I get home, only to get home and take a nap. (laughs) You've done it, right? Or two. Well, I was discussing this with one of my friends last week, and she has the same issue. And I was relieved to find out I wasn't alone, but we still didn't have a solution. Enter the Japanese principle of Kaizen, okay? K-A-I-K meaning change, Z-E-N meaning wisdom, is the practice of committing yourself completely to doing a task for one full minute on the same minute every day. The time period involved is so short that dreading it is absurd. After all, it's just one minute. And after that minute is over, you can move on with your life and do whatever it is you want to do. All right? So we're going to give you some suggestions here about how to make this work. You might you might say to yourself, what can I possibly do in one minute? Well, a lot more than you might realize. Mm. It also establishes a habit yes. that you can then cultivate. Okay, for example, don't schedule your minute when you're committed to other things. This seems obvious, but it's also a sneaky way for you to get out of doing it on another day, right? Or at least it was for me. Now, my minute is now scheduled right before bed. No matter what else I'm doing during the day, I will be at home for bed. So it's usually that's the time for my kazen minute. Got it? If you find yourself dreading it or blowing it off, remember, it's only a minute. You know, I I can kind of laugh about this now. It's just a minute, right? Now, choose a task that you can make small progress on day to day and something that it's not something that has to be done all at once, right? So, I'll tell you, my task at my house right now has been reorganizing my kitchen drawers, okay? So, reorganizing and organizing my kitchen drawers. Now, obviously, I cannot do all of that in one minute. I can, however, make forward progress a minute at a time. By starting to go through one drawer, maybe throwing a few things away, keeping other things, getting it organized. Do You see what I'm saying? Maybe I only get through one drawer. That's okay. I'm a pretty fast worker, right? Mm. Okay. Now also give yourself permission to continue. So there have been times when I'm nearly through the drawer and the timer goes off and I get frustrated, right? I derive a lot of satisfaction from completing things. So I will occasionally give myself time to go longer than a minute, right? Now I've been enjoying sort of this this application of Kazan in my life. It's really easy to finish enough of a task to get me going the next day, right? It's, it's a process of clearing out clutter in my life. I actually look forward to my minute instead of depending on the chore, right? I don't d- dread dread it. Like, oh, I got it. It's just a minute, right? right? So on the days when I'm really busy, at least I can say, hey, I did my minute, right? And I try to keep it to a minute, though, to give yourself permission to continue. But don't let it go over to 15 or 20 minutes. Because right. then you're going to establish an expectation, and that's going to, Depress you or discourage you from doing it the next day. Also, don't let it cut into your sleeping time, right? Now, folks, if you're wondering what this is all about, the idea behind Kaizen is that it helps you build your confidence as you begin to look forward to completing things for one minute. Whether it's a, a bench press or learning a foreign language, Kaizen, whatever it is, Kazan can be uh, sort of help take the dread out of something new, huh, a task. Very... It's only a minute. And people think, what could you possibly do in a minute? You'd be surprised. It's going to give you a sense of satisfaction.
1: I, say, I, I love that because it's basically a, hey, you just take this very first, very tiny right. little baby right. step and, and yes. it just builds on itself. Just build on time. it.
0: Another good one for me that I'm going to do next is one minute a day working on my shoes.
1: <laughs> Organizing your shoes
0: Organizing the shoes <laughs> There is something very uh, I don't know Uplifting and encouraging About walking into my closet And seeing my shoes All organized and lined up Because right. a lot of times They're not I come home Just kick off my boots And they just yep. fly wherever Right <laughs> But there's another little good And not every task Is suited to Kazan Right But right. but certain small things Like that Where there are little increments That over time You know by the, by the end of the week You've done seven minutes You can accomplish a lot In seven minutes
1: That's a very good point You can Very right. Good what good do you
0: think point. guys You think that's enough time I To get something I'll... done
1: I think it's enough time to get at least some started on
0: something mm-hmm. good, right? Mm-hmm. Japanese have a lot of good ideas. Yes, they do. You know what I'm saying? Well, folks, this was it for Zen for this segment. We're going to be back in just a minute and talk about our favorite autumn desserts. Yes, Southern Sisters. I don't even know if we have enough time to fit it all in. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. We'll be right back. Turn on telly Nelly, Come to the table, Mabel. Now sit up straight, Kate. It's time to eat, Pete. Have a banana, Hannah. Try the salami, Tommy. Get with the gravy, Davey. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Welcome back to the Southern Sisters radio program. It's the food segment. Yes, and like every good season in the South, well, Oftentimes, it's all about the desserts. I say that about every single season, but i got to tell you, autumn, there's something about just the decadence of the desserts in autumn. Mm. They tend to be a little, I don't know, more decadent that's actually that was the best word to use for it in the summertime they tend to be a little lighter you know right. we have our watermelon granita or some of our lighter desserts these um, are made
1: to warm you up in your belly yeah.
0: right you tell me up just a little bit <laughs> how about folks if you're if you're thinking just what are the good flavors of fall i would definitely start with a, a favorite of mine our chocolate bourbon pecan pie Okay. Now your family may be bored with the same pecan pie recipe every year at Thanksgiving, but this is a good way to kind of shake things up just a little bit. Right. And you might even want to make two of these. You know, I often say Nick one Mm. pie is never enough.
1: No, because one for me and then one for the guests. Right.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You finish one up at night though. And there's usually that second one for the next day. I kept make a hidden meal of in pie. the back
1: so no one could find yeah. it.
0: <laughs> oh, right? Right? <laughs> it so I'm not the bad. only one, thank goodness. <laughs> well, listen, guys, like many Southern recipes, this particular res- recipe adds warmth and flavor with a little splash or a big splash of bourbon. Yes. Ooh. You can always substitute water if you don't want the bourbon. Mm, but why would you? Who would you do that? <laughs> why would you do such a thing? <laughs> now, listen, guys, this chocolate bu- bourbon pecan pie has the rich, gooey texture that you crave in every bite and it really only got about 15 minutes of on-hand time so it's not going to if you're making it for a holiday it's not going to put a big dent in your time okay when you're getting ready now Anytime I talk about pies, I think it's important to give a little nod to the benefits of using refrigerated pie crust. Um, I used to be a pie crust snob back in the day, but I have come to learn that so many improvements have been made in in refrigerated refrigerated ready-made pie crust that you do not need to apolog- apologize. Even Publix has a brand that I love. Right. Um, it's a quick, easy shortcut. Uh, don't feel guilty about it. Don't apologize. Okay. We're not food snobs here. But it's, it's a perfectly acceptable substitute, particularly in this recipe. So we're going to kind of talk your way through it because it's an easy one. 15 minutes of prep time, Nick. Easy. You could do this easily. You're going to preheat your oven to 325 degrees. You want to fit your pie crust into a 9-inch deep dish pie plate, right? Fold the edges under, crimp it pretty around the edges, right? Then you're going to sprinkle one and a half cups of um, chopped toasted pecans. Now to toast them, guys, you can put them on a baking sheet in the oven for a few minutes. You can toss them into a skillet and kind of dry roast them. Uh, You're going to put one and a half cups of those on the bottom of the pie crust and one cup of chocolate morsels. Got it? Then you're going to stir together one cup of dark corn syrup, one half cup of sugar, one half cup of brown sugar, one fourth cup of bourbon, right, into a large saucepan. Bring it to a boil over medium heat. Cook it, stirring constantly for about three minutes. Now, in a bowl, you want to whisk together four eggs and one-fourth cup of melted butter, two teaspoons of white cornmeal, it's going to help it set up, two teaspoons of vanilla extract, and a half a teaspoon of salt. Now, gradually whisk one-fourth of the hot corn syrup mixture into the egg mixture. Why are we doing that? We want to make sure that we don't cause those eggs to cook. All right? We're not trying to cook the eggs. You don't want scrambled eggs in your pie. Right? So after you've done that, you can then add that to the remaining hot corn syrup mixture and whisk it really good. You're easing the eggs. Does that yes. make sense? Easing it into that hot mixture. Pour all of that into your prepared pie crust. Bake it for 55 minutes until set. Um, I like to cool it completely because then it really sets up nice. Yes. Yeah, but if you want to serve it warm, might be a little runny. That's okay, okay. with some vanilla ice cream. Ooh. Happy fall, y'all. Right Isn't that just amazing? <laughs> and you know we all love pecan pie if you're from the South, right? That's a staple here in the South. Yes. But the addition of the bourbon, the addition of the chocolate, mm-hmm. well, that's just very mm-hmm. that's very southern sisterly. <laughs> chocolate and alcohol. <laughs> it's got to be a woman that developed that recipe. <laughs> Now, one of my all-time favorite things to eat in the fall, guys, and these are so easy and so wonderful, it will make your house, house smell like autumn, are my molasses crinkle cookies. Mm. Get this recipe. It will be on the blog. Go to southernsistershome.com. Click on the blog. There you'll find it and a beautiful picture of my molasses crinkle cookies. Now, molasses is the dark brown syrupy byproduct of sugarcane when it's refined into sugar. It's got a deep sweetness. You combine that with ginger, cinnamon, nutmeg, and cloves, and these cookies are wonderfully rich with a spicy flavor. So what you're going to do is preheat your oven to 375 degrees. In a large mixing bowl, you're going to beat 3 fourths of a cup of room temperature butter and 1 cup sugar with an electric mixer. Then you're going to add 1 egg one-fourth cup molasses, and beat it well until combined. Now, in a separate bowl, we're going to combine our dry ingredients. That'll be two cups of flour, one teaspoon of baking powder, one teaspoon of baking soda, a fourth of a teaspoon of salt, a teaspoon of ground ginger, a teaspoon of cinnamon, half a teaspoon of nutmeg, and oh, yeah, just to give it that little something special, about a fourth of a teaspoon of ground cloves. You don't need as much because cloves, ground cloves are very strong. Got that? So you're going to add the flour mixture a cup at a time, to the butter and the sugar mixture. You're going to use your electric mixture and beat. After eight, Every time you scoop another uh, scoop of that dry ingredient in there, you want, to, you want to beat it good afterwards. Chill the dough when you've got it all mixed together. Pop it into the refrigerator so it sets up just a little bit. You're then going to drop the dough by heaping tablespoons onto an ungreased cooking sheet, right? Bake it for about 10 to 11 minutes. Cool it on a wire rack. I like ungreased because sometimes if you grease that pan first, that dough is going to kind of slide out and spread out a little bit. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Spreads out a little bit too much. So do do an ungreased baking sheet and you'll have the perfect, perfectly shaped molasses crinkle cookies. Yeah, that sounds so good. And true to name, as they bake, you know, they kind of, the top just kind of forms that like crinkly pattern. (laughs) It's amazing. I love it. So good. I just want to go home and have an entire meal of nothing but desserts.
1: (laughs) And you know what? Fall. Right? Good, Good for that. Is good
0: for it that. is good for that. You know,
1: a whole a whole lot of desserts mm. and a nice big cup of
0: coffee. Right? I, oh yes, a cup of coffee, absolutely. <laughs> right. We talked about that last week, yes, right? We With did. our pumpkin spice, putting <laughs> our pumpkin spices in our coffee. Now, if you don't want something quite this heavy, although I don't know why you, you know, would care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't usually say that to myself. Gee, I want something lighter. No. But another nice option for this time of year, and something that I love, and, and uh just fresher, is... Um, are my vanilla poached pears. So if you're looking for something not quite as heavy, maybe to complement a heavy meal, the vanilla poached pears would be a great dish to serve, and they're so beautiful. Now, poaching fruit is a great way to infuse flavor without adding any fat, right? Ripe pears stew in vanilla and cinnamon until tender, and then they're paired with fresh cream, maybe a drizzle of honey over the top. Gorgeous, y'all. What you need is you need to combine uh, four cups of water, With three tablespoons of vanilla extract, two tablespoons of honey, one cinnamon stick, and a half a cup of sugar in a large saucepan. Bring it all to a boil. You're going to take four big pears. You want to peel them. Got it? And you want to then take a little slice off the bottom of the pear. You're just creating a flat bottom so those pears will stand up straight. Got it? Set them in the water, right? Place them in the saucepan, cover the pan, reduce the heat to low, and simmer for about 15 to 20 minutes or until the pe- uh, the pears are just nice and tender. You're going to remove the poached pears, let them cool, all right? Now, how I like to serve these is I put a little... A spoonful of cream, you can use half and half, you can use heavy whipping cream, would be amazing. Put a little puddle of that in the middle of the plate, your serving plate. Set a pear right down in the center of that cream. Drizzle your pear with a little bit of honey. If you really want to get wild, maybe a little sprinkle of cinnamon on top of that. Absolutely out of this world. Honestly. Yum. Yeah, happy
1: fall. I thought you said that was lighter. That sounds still very full, filling and delicious. It's fruit,
0: though. Mm. You know when they say get five (laughs) to six uh, servings of fruits and vegetables a day? Well, I think that my vanilla poached pears would count for one. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely would count for one. Remember, guys, all the recipes are on the website. Go to southernsistershome.com. Click on the blog. Uh, We'll have photographs up there of these delicious recipes as well. Stay tuned, guys. We have got some great stuff in the second segment, or the second half, I should say. We're going to be telling you Everything you need to know about the care and keeping of your fall pumpkins. We'll be right back. Now look, don't be so picky, Mickey. Everybody eats when they come to my house.
1: Well, you can't have a dream and cut it to fit. But when I saw you, I knew we'd go together like a wink and a smile.
0: Welcome back to the Southern Sisters radio program. Well, my my jack-o'-lantern has a week and a smile. I will never forget sitting as a child in the front yard with my father and our, and our jack o you know, our pumpkin. Mm-hmm. And he taught me how to carve. He did. Really? Oh, yeah. It was just <laughs> one of those fun little memories I have of being a child, right? And then doing it for my children. Yeah. Right? You're probably going to carve a pumpkin with Cody and the we, kids, we right? Have,
1: we did them last year. Uh, yeah. It's just, you know, a little cautious with the kids using knives. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, Nick, is there a story there? Do you, huh? want, do you want to share? That's another. That's okay, we'll another talk story about that another time. Another day. <laughs> See, usually under normal circumstances, folks, I am the clumsy person with knives in the studio. <laughs> Let's just say there's another klutz in here today, yeah. and it ain't me.
1: I've got a little boo boo. It's
0: okay. <laughs> we can tell that story another time. <laughs> well, if you are like me, you've got some you've got some pumpkins on your front porch right now, right? And they look real pretty right now. They do. And I'm gonna give you some suggestions on how you can keep those uncut pumpkins looking great for weeks. But then of course comes the time that you may wanna consider carving. One or two of them, right, for for Halloween, Uh, and once again, I've got some tips to kind of help prolong the life of your cut pumpkin, so he doesn't uh, shrivel up. Ooh, you know how they get, right? They get, and then if if you leave it out too long, some teenagers will come by and grab it and smash it on the ground. Yeah, right. That's just wrong. Don't do that. (laughs) But you know what? You may be asking yourself, you know, jack o' lanterns. Where on earth did the tradition? Of cutting open a pumpkin, scooping out the seeds, cutting a face in it, sticking a candle inside. Where on earth did that come from? Yeah. Are you, have you been asking yourself that, Nick?
1: I actually have. Like, it's just—it's a little odd,
0: you know? Yeah, it's a little strange. There's a story behind <laughs> it. As with all good traditions, and, you know, we at Southern Sisters like to uncover these stories. Oh, yes. Uh, there's a story behind the jack-o'-lantern. Every October, as you know, carved pumpkins peer out from porches and doorsteps in the United States and other parts of the world. Gourd-like orange fruits inscribed with ghoulish faces and illuminated by candles are a sure sign of the Halloween season. We know that. The practice of decorating jack-o'-lanterns, the name comes from Irish folklore about a man named Stingy Jack. This originated in Ireland where large turnips and potatoes served as an easy canvas. Now, Irish immigrants brought the tradition to America, home of the pumpkin, and it became an integral part of our Halloween festivities.
1: Wow. Yes. Okay, so it technically didn't even start with pumpkins. Go
0: figure. It started with gourds and potatoes. It's the legend, the legend of Stingy Jack. Now, people have been making jack-o'-lanterns at Halloween for centuries. The practice originated from an Irish myth about a man named Stingy Jack. According to the story, Stingy Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. True to his name, Stingy Jack didn't want to pay for his drink, so he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin that Jack could use to buy their drinks. Once the devil did so, Jack decided to keep the money and put it into his pocket next to a silver cross, which prevented the devil from changing back into his original form. Now, Jack eventually freed the devil under the condition that he would not bother Jack for one year and that should Jack die, he would not claim his soul. Oh, I'm sure this is a true story, don't you, wow. think, don't you think so? <laughs> the next year, Jack again tricked the devil into climbing into a tree to pick a piece of fruit. While he was up in the tree, Jack carved a sign of the cross into the tree's bark so that the devil could not come down until the devil promised Jack not to bother him for 10 more years. Now, soon after Jack died, as the legend goes, God would not allow such an unsavory figure into heaven. The devil... Upset by the trick Jack had played on him, and keeping his word not to claim his soul, would not allow Jack into hell. He sent Jack off into the dark night with only a burning coal to light his way. Jack put the coal into a carved-out turnip, and has been roaming the earth with it ever since. Wow. The Irish began to refer to this ghostly figure as Jack of the Lantern, and then simply Jack. lantern.
1: Wow.
0: How about that? Now, in Ireland and Scotland, people began to make their own versions of Jack's lanterns by carving scary faces into turnips or potatoes and placing them into windows or near doors to frighten away stingy Jack and any other wandering evil spirits, right? In England, large beets are used. Immigrants from these countries brought the Jack-o-lantern tradition with them when they came to the United States, and they soon found that pumpkins a native fruit to America, make perfect jack-o'-lanterns.
1: Wow. What you know? Huh.
0: That's, what you know? That's awesome. I really, honestly, I was very surprised when I did a little research on that story and found out that was the reason. I would have reason.
1: never thought.
0: I, I thought that it had something to do with scaring away evil spirits, right. but I didn't know. You know, hmm. I, did, I didn't quite understand. Stingy jack. <laughs> Think of that, folks, the next time you are carving out your pumpkin.
1: Stingy jack.
0: Mm. Now, I do want you to stop for a second, though, guys. Consider uh, the journey that your pumpkins, right, which are basically squash, right, or gourds, travel for your enjoyment. The giant pumpkin, some as big as basketball, began as a small seed planted in the soil. And from there, the pumpkin vines started to grow. The leaves and flowers battling the elements endured days of direct sun, along with overcoming diseases like root rot, blossom, and rot end. And, you know, it. It's not an easy trip for a pumpkin, right? Its sole purpose is to decorate your front porch at a Halloween as a Halloween pumpkin or maybe become part of Grandma's delicious pumpkin pie. Mm. What a life it has. However, the journey for you begins with selecting your pumpkin. Now some families make a big to-do of picking this winter squash. The whole family heads to a farm where they walk the fields full of giant pumpkins searching for the perfect gourd to harvest fresh from the vine. Other people visit a pumpkin patch. We've done that, right? But in the end, they end up making it home with what they think is the perfect pumpkin for them. Of course. It's like adopting a puppy.
1: It really, honestly, I think picking the right pumpkin is almost as big of a deal as picking out the right Christmas tree.
0: I agree. Yes. It really
1: almost is quite that level. You always
0: look for a side that's really, even if it has a defect, you want to make sure that it's got at least one good side where you can carve the face. Right. Right. Well, I'm going to give you some solutions and techniques that you can use to preserve your pumpkin, keep it from drying out, extend its life, right, and slow down the development of mold, which in the end, that is the enemy of a pumpkin. All right, that's what causes it to look less than stellar, shall we say. (laughs) (laughs) One solution is to apply a bleach that was a play on words. One solution is to apply a bleach solution. Uh-oh. Got it? Perhaps the best mes- best method, guys, to prevent your carved or uncarved pumpkins from rotting is to apply a bleach solution to it. Hmm. Now, spraying your pumpkins on the inside, right, inside and out, the edges and all cut openings with a mixture of three tablespoons of bleach to a quart of water can get rid of all the mold, mildew, and any other unwanted... Uh, Little things that might be living on your pumpkin that can cause it to rot. Another way is to put the pumpkins in a bucket and soak them in the same bleach solution with water for about twenty minutes. See what wow. I'm saying?
1: Wow, I wouldn't have never thought about that.
0: Yeah, it actually goes a long way. It's it's all the little um. You know, the little bacteria, things yes. like, that live on the outside of the pumpkin that ultimately will do your pumpkin mm-hmm. in, especially once it's, pu- once yeah. it's uh, cut, right? So even something like Clorox clean up with bleach, you can use that in a pinch. You could spray that right onto your pumpkin before you carve it, right? Or, and after you carve it. Yeah. Another thing is a borax-rich pumpkin preservation spray. Believe it or not, guys, you Google this or look it up on Amazon, there's something called pumpkin fresh there's another product called There's another product called uh, Pumpkin Duncan, right? That if you spray on your pumpkins will extend the life. Um, rubbing alcohol, floor cleaner. Now I do know about the floor cleaner. This is particularly for uncut pumpkins. Spraying some rubbing alcohol can work wonders when it comes to keeping pumpkins from rotting and avoiding that mold buildup. Now floor cleaners can also work as excellent preservatives for uncarved pumpkins. It also helps keep them shiny. You know, just like you put floor cleaner on your on your wood floor, huh. right, or your, your tile floor. Yeah. Um, same principle. It'll shine up the skin of that pumpkin and preserve it, right? Um, acrylic finish spray. Now, I have done this before myself. It's literally that spray acl- acrylic that you can buy at home improvement yeah. stores or craft stores is wonderful. Hairspray. Hairspray. Ha- yeah. Huh. Hairspray, believe it or not, <laughs> is essential. Hairspray. Yes. And for oh, those and of you, go. you never know when you're going to find somebody that's prepared.
1: <laughs> for those of you on the radio, she just pulled a bag of hairspray out of her purse.
0: I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I did no know such thing. <laughs> so definitely, hairspray and acrylic finish spray are another great way to seal your pumpkins. All right? It keeps them from dehydrating. It creates a barrier to mold growth. And uh, it also, believe it or not, keeps little rodents... You know those little critters Uh, that like to come out at night, you know, and uh, take a little snack or a little... Yeah, I I noticed that last year
1: that my jack-o'-lantern, I came out one day and all of a sudden he had an ear hole that I didn't put there. Really?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, he does not want to get a mouthful of Aquanet hairspray.
1: Very good point. So
0: try spraying your spraying with that WD-40 or yeah WD-40 in exhibiting um, anti-freezing and water-repelling properties. WD-40 is amazing when it comes to keeping uncarved pumpkins fresh longer. It prevents insects and other creepy crawlers from swarming around the inside or the outside of your decorated pumpkins. How about that? Wow. Yes. Now, carved pumpkins can reap some benefits, too. Simply spray WD-40 over the surface of the pumpkin and wipe off the excess, followed by waiting a day to allow the spray to dry completely before you put your candle inside. Huh. How about that? Wow. You could. How about this one? Vaseline or petroleum jelly. You can make sure that pranksters think twice about touching your pumpkin right, by applying petroleum jelly to your sterilized carved pumpkin, (laughs) smearing just a thin layer of petroleum jelly on the interior, the edges, and the cutout sections of your jack-o'-lantern create a barrier to combat bacteria, right? Now, if you're going to paint your pumpkin, you can use Vaseline as a sealant to protect your artwork. Oh. Yeah. My kids used to always like to paint like the little pumpkins, Yeah. You yeah. have like to
1: paint them up fancy colors, yeah. draw a little stuff right. on them. You
0: probably got some, you know, Vaseline or hairspray around the house. these wow. are You don't necessarily have to go out and purchase something special. Uh, vegetable oils can also uh, work well. I find mineral oil is less, uh, better for, the, the bugs don't like that as well. Right. Now, you do want to, with your pumpkins both cut and uncut, it's best to avoid exposure to too much sunlight. That can rot them faster. Uh, also, hydrate the pumpkins. So over time, pumpkins tend to start getting dried out or shriveled as they lose water content, right? So you can definitely either soak them in a tub of bath or give them a spray with a hose every so often. Keep them a little hydrated. Mm. How about that? I love oh, wow.
1: that. because yeah, You're right. I think that's the first thing we notice before they start to get moldy and spotty as right. they start to get kind of dry and wrinkly and they start to look bad. They
0: start to look not so pretty. Yeah. Not pretty like when you first bought them. <laughs> right. And these days they have so many gorgeous types of pumpkins, right? We've got the white pumpkins. I like to call those the yes. albino pumpkins. Yep. We've got the wart pumpkins. Have you seen those?
1: <laughs> yep. Those are they're the kind of g- ugly, but they're yeah. They're pretty in their own way. Yeah.
0: The ghost pumpkins. I've yes. seen some beautiful gray, silvery gray ones that are gorgeous. Yeah. And these days, you know, the, the, the pumpkins are kind of out there on the market around the first of October, and a lot of people like to keep them all the way through Thanksgiving. Yes, they do. So you're talking about, you know, six to six to eight weeks. Yeah. Right? So listen it. to the Southern Sisters about taking care of your, your pumpkins. We'll post these tips and suggestions on the website. Just go to the blog at southernsistershome.com. Okay, guys, we'll be back in just a minute. We're going to be talking about ways to not feel deprived when you're watching your budget hang on and we'll be right back
1: so you can rever up don't go slow it's only green lights and all all right let's go together with
0: a wink and i just can't see that half my best Welcome back to the Southern Sisters radio program. I love that song. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm -mm. Thinking I'd like to kind of rock out in the studio (laughs) just a little bit. Just doing the rock back and forth. Guys, yes, virtual insanity. Well, you know, a lot of us may be feeling a little bit of insanity Mm. when working on our budgets. You feel that way sometimes? Uh, Yes. It's a little frustrating, right? (laughs) Have you ever been to a wedding or a conference or a birthday party or something like that when you're on a diet? Okay, it's not fun. so hard. It's not fun, right, at all. You know, you like piles of cheese, all kinds of yummy food, and you can't eat it, right? Meanwhile, your friends are enjoying every morsel of indulgence and all, all you want to do is join in. Now, depending on your degree of willpower that day, maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. It just depends, right? But this is a very familiar narrative to a lot of people, and it is not unlike the way that some people feel when they are watching their budget, Right? Watching your waistline, watching your budget, right? right. Some of the same shortcomings, some Absolutely. of the same issues. Now, unfortunately, when it comes to spending, that counterbalancing quick fix isn't necessarily simple. But there is an alternative. After all, nobody wants to feel like they're on a juice cleanse when they're at a party. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, in fact, that that feeling of being deprived often can lead to impaired decision making. Correct. Binging on a chocolate pie, overspending on a new outfit. You see what I'm saying? If you deprive yourself too much, you're eventually going to binge, binge eat, binge spend, right? I know of what I speak, okay? It's the scarcity mindset, the belief that if you don't have enough has been proven to hamper the ability to make smart financial decisions, including the kind of all-consuming anxiety that reduces IQ by 13 to 14 points. Did you realize that? Wow. Just, Just feeling deprived, Uh, can reduce your IQ. That drop is comparable to losing a night's sleep or even the effect of alcoholism. How about that? Wow. So in other words, when you feel financially limited, it's like wearing beer goggles every time you make a money decision. Mm. See what I'm saying? uh, That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I'm going to give you some strategies. (laughs) You know, the Southern Sisters, we're all about useful, meaningful, helpful strategies, right? <laughs> we don't want ones that don't work. We like ones that do. <laughs> so I'm gonna give you seven suggestions for living within your means without feeling limited. Okay? okay. There's never a magic pill for everything, right? right? But this is this is a good place to start and not, not feel the pain quite so much. One way is to obviously cut your budget. And I have I have done this myself and it's amazing. Challenge your recurring expenses. Challenge them. This means editing Right, looking at your bank card statement, what are you paying for every month automatically that you may not need to be paying? I sure. did this recently with a magazine subscription, right? I did it with another, like another info magazine service that I was using that, that was paying for monthly, and I just, it just was on a credit card that I didn't use that often. Yeah. I really didn't pay any attention to it until it renewed. Right. Mm -hmm. Or a lot of times I use a lot of stock photography. One time I was signed up for a stock uh, stock photography website and it was set up for an annual renewal. Oh, And I didn't even notice it until it popped like a hundred and seventy dollar charge popped up on my credit card. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. (laughs) So find ways of making spending cuts without major lifestyle alterations by getting creative. Your recurring expenses. Monthly, quarterly, and or annual costs are the perfect starting point. Now, as you comb through your list of expenses, identify which you might be able to renegotiate or replace with alternatives more suited to your needs and your mm. budget, okay? For example, you may be dead set on keeping cable, Right. But you, uh, you know, you can still call up the cable company or one of its competitors and try to negotiate a better rate. I did this one time. I had been with a company, a cable company, for four or five years, and I decided to call up and trim off a couple of extra things on my bill. It was just some movie channels that I didn't watch. When I did it. I basically kind of expressed my displeasure in the size of my bill. It prompted the customer service person to say to me, and they're trained to do this because they don't want to lose business, you know what? Why don't we offer you our startup special? In other words, it was the same special that they were giving to new customers. You know, why shouldn't the existing customers be rewarded the same way?
1: Correct. Right.
0: So I ended up getting like... Like four months of a free, you know, like movie state, movies particular movies channel for like free for four months, and yeah. I got a reduction in my rate just <laughs> by asking folks. It's so easy, um, so that's that's one thing to do. Check out those recurring expenses. How about this shopping savvy? Now, it's not just recurring expenses that are up for negotiation. You can save hundreds of dollars on everything from household repairs to medical bills by researching price ranges and challenging the costs. Sometimes all you have to do is ask. Yes. People don't want to lose business. If what it takes to keep your business is to reduce your rates a little more or shave a little bit off that price, people are willing to do it. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're talking about an industry where there are multiple competitors, you could easily go somewhere else. See what I'm saying? Absolutely. Now, if you're kind of a non-confrontational person, this might make you a little uncomfortable. But seriously, <laughs> um, you know, when the alternative is living beyond your means, you might find a way to be a little bold. Yes. Right? You see what yes. I mean? Another way, guys, to do it painlessly is to trim the fat. Now, this isn't my call for you to cut out every latte from your life because, quite frankly, that would be too much to ask. Right. <laughs> That would be very limiting. In fact, there's no need to go crazy on cutting back before taking a closer look at what you're actually paying for, all right? Um they have apps that will sync up all of your accounts for a full record of what you're spending so you can assess what you're spending and how you're spending. One of my daughters did this recently and was completely shocked to find out how much she was spending on eating out.
1: Oh, in that her
0: adds up head, fast. yeah. It adds up fast. In her in her head she she thought it was around one number and it was like almost three times that oh, wow. over the course of the month. She just didn't realize. Yikes. Yeah. So it, it just helps you to make a more educated decision mm-hmm. about how you're spending your money. So scroll through your spending history. Make a note of any surprises or obvious wastes of money.
1: I will say, go through your bank account and basically itemize everything that you have done, that you have spent right. money on write down what it was almost old school in your checkbook because a lot of people don't keep a checkbook anymore to balance it they, they just don't. rely on the online yeah go write it down old school and you will realize very quickly very
0: the things quickly. you were
1: spending money on you should not be
0: you spending can't hide on. from it then right. <laughs> i'm just not looking at the statement no you can't hide from it another way to do this um it, it, curbing or curbing your spending a little bit is spreading out your splurges okay so this is a great option for for reducing your costs you don't cut them out completely right but what you do is you just rethink their frequency um, it might be, like, you're going to happy hour or something. You know, rather than going once or twice a week, maybe you just go once a week or every two weeks, something like that. Um, let's say you know, everybody's got their thing that's important to them. I've, I've got a friend who is getting an occasional massage is just like the thing that she loves more than anything else in the world. She's willing to go without other things so that she can have her massage. But right. even she decided that she was going a little too much, and she just learned to cut cut back on it a little bit. Yep. You know, if you've got a spouse, make them do it. <laughs> They're going to be a lot That's cheaper a really than a massage. Bi- yes,
1: they may not be as good, right? But it's free,
0: and it's a bonding so. experience, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> also, budgeting from zero. Now, now that I've laid out some actual tactical strategies for you for living within your means, we need to talk about your mindset. One of the most powerful shifts in perception um, that you can experience in a quest for better financial habits is that it's that of building your budget from zero. Instead of thinking of budgeting as a call to cut back and sacrifice, start by building your spending plan from zero each month and focus on building up from there. Make note of every line item you can afford and do it with gratitude. For example, th- people tend to forget what they are paying for and how wonderful the things are. that, Like if you didn't mm-hmm. suddenly have those things, you would miss them terribly. Right. You know, I love my – say, say, for example, you might say my wonderful home. The convenience of you know, maybe for you, it's being able to occasionally take an Uber. That mm-hmm. convenience, you see what I'm saying? Um, delicious food, you know, whole food just opened near me, you know. Mm-hmm. So, just being grateful for what you are spending money on, you know, not and rather than just doing it mindlessly, be conscious of it. I've always said um, that gratefulness is the key to happiness. Mm. That brings us to number six, which is to practice gratitude. So, recognizing and giving thanks for every expense you already afford is a habit that can extend far beyond your monthly budgeting. Practice mindfulness and gratitude daily. Recognize the enormous value of everything you already enjoy. Experiences, relationships, opportunities. These go a long way in combating feelings of limitation, even if your means are actually limited. Yeah. Right? Moments in time that you spend with your family, you know? They're priceless. Priceless. Another option, make more money. Now, If only it were that easy (laughs) Don't we all wish Now this might not be quite as simple as adding An extra workout to your routine After a particularly indulgent evening But making more money is one of the best ways To afford more spending flexibility And ease any feelings of limitation That arise from struggling to live within your means Here's an idea Ask for a raise (gasps) Seek out more lucrative markets For your employment process Mm -hmm. Cultivate a side hustle
1: Yes. I like that. It's a side hustle.
0: Avoid the limiting belief that your earning potential is set and actively seek out ways to increase your means such that living with them is really no sacrifice. Right. You can do it. And we the, can all do it.
1: And the catch is when you start making more money, don't spend more money.
0: Exactly. People always tend to live a little beyond mm-hmm. what their means is. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's just so very true. Yes. Well, guys, there's a little, uh. Well, you know, we just covered everything Yeah. during this episode. All about- you know? Little self-reflection on our spending habits. How to have some gorgeous pumpkins. Mm-hmm. How to indulge in some amazing autumn desserts. Some amazing, desserts. right? And don't forget our little uh, our little approach to uh, to laziness. Remember what yes. we we're going to do there. Our K- zen <laughs> approach. We're going to do K-Zen. that. What are you going to do for one minute today?
1: Ooh, Think that's about a good
0: it. thought. That's yeah, a very good thought, guys. Have a great week. We'll see you back here next week on the Southern Sisters Radio Show.